previously on the Simply Human podcast. She like rips up her shirt and pulls down her pants and she has yeah. this, like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's episode 40 of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is a return of Jason Seib, author of The Paleo Coach, best-selling book on Amazon. He is a coach. He's in the trenches every day, a great writer, and uh, we're going to have him on and talk about body image issues, specifically how they relate to women. This is the Women's Body Image Issue Show. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with good friend of mine, Adam Brennan, uh, who uh, kind of like Jen Gagne, we recorded for about 20 minutes, so we'll break his up into two segments. Pretty funny stuff, and I'm very sad that Rick wasn't in on that one because we really could have used your laugh uh, on some of his because they're all brilliant. Well, just imagine like my tackling like dolphin laugh in the background. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll insert it. Insert <laughs> it be funny. Yeah. And then we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip of the week. How are you, Rick? You're yawning a lot. You seem tired. I literally just woke up about uh, three minutes ago. Really? Yes. <laughs> well, let's see. What day is it? It is Friday, so you work. I don't even know, man. Yeah. <laughs> what day is it? Man, I don't know. It you, takes me like an hour to get revved up here. You worked last night. Did you have anything uh, interesting happen last night? Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Hmm. Uh, it was supposed to rain, and so we were I was basically like... There's only one condition that I don't like working in, and it's the rain. And so, uh, it, quite literally and figuratively, there were gray clouds over the entire city last night before I went to work. So, uh, I was like, ah, oh, it's just going to rain. Ah, oh, this is going to suck. And it didn't rain like one drop the entire night. Well, so, I just sat around all night like, huh. About two minutes till it starts pouring down rain, and it never came, so I kind of wasted the whole night. <laughs> so here's here's a – I wasn't planning on having a Rick's Cop Corner, but here is here it is. Okay. If it is, like, pouring, drenched rain, and I don't, like, signal, is, is it, are, are cops like, I'm not getting out in the rain? Uh, I would say, uh, you know, using me as an example uh, – yeah, you can do whatever you'd like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm completely. I've t- I've turned the switch off. I've uh, ended. Uh, I've just pulled into a, a parking garage. No, no. We're, when when weather gets really bad, we end up responding to a lot of car accidents and a lot of alarms. You wouldn't think about that, but there's a lot of alarms that end up getting triggered because of weather. So uh, if some guy uh, ends up like stopping a bunch of cars while it's pouring down rain. And then I have to go like handle all of the calls that happen in his, his beat and his area of, that he's responsible for because he's running a bunch of traffic. Uh, I'm going to end up punching him in the face <laughs> and going to jail. So it's kind of like, not like an unwritten rule necessarily, but a, there's going to be a bunch of like car accidents and alarms that come out when the weather gets really bad. And B also, yes, we don't want to get out in the rain. We're just like you guys. We don't, right. uh, I don't like getting wet. Like so, so if I see a, like a cop in a speed trap and it's pouring rain, I can like roll my window down and just and like give that cop the bird as I drive past. Yes, and in fact, uh, <laughs> one time I did make a traffic stop and it was about to rain and I was it was so bad the violation. I don't remember what it was. It was like something crazy, like thirty or forty over the speed limit, and it was so bad. I was like. God, I've got to, I've got to do something. So I stopped the car and I'm, get, I was like, I can just do this real quick before it starts raining. Well, this, as soon as I get up to their window and they rolled it down, I was like, 
Hey, I'm Officer Bentley. Give me your license and your insurance. And they were kind <laughs> of rude about it. And you it. just drove off. <laughs> well, that's going to be a ticket. And it starts like just like an, an epic like Noah from the Bible like flood like, right on top of me. It's they like, just stood at me, stood there, sat, that, sat there in the car like laughing at me as I got completely drenched. Yeah. And they're like, huh, uh, my license is somewhere. I just got to keep looking for it here. Uh, I smell bacon. <laughs> so like uh, I ended up getting completely, totally soaked. So it, yeah. You should have just like if he handed it to you, just like threw it back in his car. I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> It's probably what ended up happening. Well, okay, so I had I have sort of a, a interesting. Um, I, I you know I asked if you yawn. I was I was quite tired a few nights ago because I only got about uh, maybe three and a half four hours of sleep. I was down in Houston uh, on some business and stayed. Decided to crash at my brother in law's CrossFit gym, which is where he lives. So he's got a pretty sweet setup. And if oh, you wait, wait, hang on. Wait. He lives in yeah, the gym. Yeah, it's pretty sweet, actually. Like, he's got a huge kitchen, big bathroom area, this awesome room, and then he, like, lives at his gym. It's awesome. No, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So, I he's in, like, Croatia or something. I don't even know oh, what, what... Hang on. The yeah. second part, I'm going to stop down the yeah, story. Yeah. What? I have no idea what, like, why he's in Croatia. It's some big vacation or something. So, huh. uh, it's like some yachting thing or something. But, so he's he's, like really hard to get a hold of. Well, he had told me, you know, here's the code to get in, blah, blah, blah. I would imagine the cell service in Croatia is probably yeah, you know, not it's pristine not, it's like not we have great. it here. And I'm going to put his website in the show notes so you can like kind of see what this what this box gym looks like. So it's like midnight. By the time I get there, I've canceled my hotel reservation because I'm just going to crash at, at Ryan's place. I get in, everything's fine. And just imagine it's like a big warehouse. It's 95 degrees inside of this place because it's obviously a big warehouse. It's like, it's really cool when, when there's like music and people playing, like or playing, working out, like songs playing and stuff like that. But when it's just like pitch black and there's like weird ambient light coming in, there's like birds in the rafters, <laughs> it's really creepy. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get in his room, shut the door, and there's a there's a 5:30 class, so I know like there there's gonna be a class in the gym in like five hours. So, but I'm gonna be back in his room and and whatever, get a good night's sleep. This sounds like a real terrific idea, by the way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, it also took me about an hour to go ten miles at midnight in Houston. I, I, ah, I hate Houston. So yes, I also deplore Houston. I get I have all my stuff, you know, my coffee stuff, and I, you know, I, I don't just have like one bag. And so like I get all the stuff back to the room, and I like go to his, you know, open his door, and it's locked. And, I, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So I'm like, okay, there's got to be a key. So, of course, I'm texting him, like, vibering him. There's this, an app called Viber. Viber? Yeah, something. And, and, like, nothing. Like, he's not answering. His his co-owner, I texted him. He's in California. Uh, you know, not really, you know, he doesn't know where the key is. No one knows where, this, where, a, where a spare key is. I am, like, dil- I have my orange glasses on, like, diligently searching oh all over this gym for a key, which I cannot find. I'm not going to get back out onto the traffic of midnight Houston and go like un, like load my stuff all back up, reload all my stuff. So he has this kind of like living area. It's no AC. So it's like, I'm, I'm like dripping sweat, okay? There's like an old like Goodwill leather couch that's it's got like cracks in it. Oh my God. It's the only place that I can lay down. There's no pillow, no blanket, nothing. 
So I just like stripped down and, and knowing that there's like the coaches are coming at like 515 <laughs> and there's going to be like this homeless guy like uh, that nobody knows I'm there except for Ryan who's in Croatia. Completely soaked in sweat. Yeah. So on the leather and, couch. And it's like super quiet. There's these weird like creaking noises. So I, I can't sleep a because I'm like in a haunted house and I'm freaking out. B I'm like sticking to this couch and like I can't I'm, I'm sweating super hot. God, and so, so, so I, I wake up like every like half hour, you know, like just miserable, sweating, and uh, and at, you know, five fifteen, like the coaches come in, and I I was like prepared, I was like, guys, guys, it's it's me, it's Ryan's brother in law, um, please don't kill me. <laughs> You're looking like the uh, the the caddy from uh, Billy Matt or from uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like I think this putt moves a little bit to the left. Yeah, nah, man, I think it's because you only have on one shoe. <laughs> exactly i'm like in my underwear and like and and they're both kind of standing there like you know didn't recognize me at first or whatever and like because the lights were kind of off i was like after the fact i was like guys i really appreciate appreciate you like not murdering me because there's like these huge crossfit guys you know like coming in like they could have just like snapped my arms that would have really topped off the great night and i still haven't heard from ryan like i was texting him all night like if you get this Please tell me where your key is. Because, <laughs> like, and the, the worst thing part about it was, like, I could feel, like, super cold air, like, coming out the bottom of his door. <laughs> but I, That kind of reminds me, like, in reverse of – have I ever told you the time that I stayed when my brother lived in downtown Dallas? Uh-uh. Okay. So me and our mutual friend, uh, Jackson yes. – we can mention his name because – he we never know he doesn't listen to the show. I'll never he, find out. He, he hates uh, us. We, and I don't remember like all the details. I'd have to sit down with him to tell the story. But like uh, somehow like – no, oh, I do. Okay. Well, it was New Year's Eve like two thousand, the year 2001 or something like that. My brother lived in a, an apartment building in downtown, like downtown, downtown Dallas by that like gangster McDonald's. <laughs> I was going to say by the, Mac- by the yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. It was right by there. Well, we were going to go out with him and go to Deep Ellum for New Year's Eve. And I'll yada yada some of this story because, you know, to keep this short. But we go out to this club and someone ends up like blowing out a transformer and all of the electricity in Deep Ellum at like 1 a.m. goes down. And so we're like, oh, and there's a run on cabs. So we have to walk back, which is like five miles, which is kind of crazy at one o'clock in the morning. And we're not exactly, you know. You can imagine what kind of condition my condition was in at 1 a.m. on a New Year's Eve. But we get back to his apartment, and it's January. It's freezing. And uh, he's like, and the whole plan was to crash there. And he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to go to bed. And my brother at this point sleeps in a sleeping bag on a mattress <laughs> because he didn't have any sheets, which is ridiculous anyway. And so we're like, all right, well, we'll guess we'll just lay down in the living room. And it's like, 60 degrees or 50 it's something ridiculous like 55 degrees inside the apartment and we're like like huddled together me and this guy and we're like shivering like well dude we'll just use our body heat to keep us warm it's not it's not gay it's survival (laughs) yes we end up sleeping and it's a very very tiny apartment he and i end up turning the oven on like 500 and opening the oven and sleeping in the kitchen floor and we both like woke up at like 5 a.m. and we basically we both like every just like you were every like 20 minutes like waking up like oh, where am I? please oh be morning god. please oh be god. morning <laughs> oh god yes hoping the morning at like 5 a.m. finally I was like dude are you we're awake and he was like yeah man are you awake yeah is it morning yeah man let's just go <laughs> so like 5 a.m. we get in my truck we drive uh, back to like my parents' house which is in Plano uh, 
it was th- so much like you. It was th- that was memorable, and that was the worst night of sleep yeah. I ever had in my entire I, life. I It'll thought never about get any worse. I thought about just laying down on the concrete outside, right outside of his door, to get some of the cold air, but I didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, just use, putting a straw up underneath his door, trying to suck some <laughs> of the cold air out. All right. Well, uh, that was quite a fun uh, little crosstalk there. But uh, we need to get to it. We need to get to Jason. We're actually about to call Jason. Uh, and then Adam has some great stuff coming up. Um, you can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Everything is there. If you have questions about the website or about any content, you can, you can uh, email me at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52. We've got a Facebook and YouTube channel. Uh, funny new video on the YouTube channel with Rick's dog. Uh, we're also still doing the uh, coupon code for the nutrients, uh, multivitamins, it's $10, Simply Human, and then the skinny fat oil is uh, $5, Simply Human. All that is on the website as well, and I will link to it in the show notes. So, without further ado, uh, we are going to get to Jason's side, and we're going to talk about an article he wrote several months ago uh, about things he wants his daughters to know. We're going to talk about emotions, motivation, uh, answering the question, are fat people insecure or do insecure people get fat? Uh, which is an interesting question. Broken perspectives, you know, having a healthy body, uh, is that right or wrong? Uh, what is the right way to get an amazing body? So here is Jason. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, I guess I should say rejoining us because I believe it was like episode nine or something. Jason Seib was on the show and he is back. Uh, I have been on his show uh, a few times is in, in the meantime here. And uh, Jason, author of The Paleo Coach, is a, is a gym owner and a coach. He's in the trenches, like I already mentioned. Welcome to the show. I think a lot of my listeners already know who you are, but thanks for being here. Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Sweet. And Rick is on the call, too. And like, like I said in the intro, and, and I've talked about last week, I, I, you wrote an article on Everyday Paleo uh, several months ago uh, entitled, Things I Want My Daughters to Know. And I have two daughters, and it was just, and, and I think you said this on your podcast, one, too. It's like, th- that kind of an article is what needs to go viral. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny, like, the stuff that goes viral is like, Here's Jason riding a pink pony, you know, like yeah, right. like the stuff. There's that, a squirrel that water skis, which by the way is pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I just wanted to kind of revisit that and just do a full issue or a, a show on that article. And you know, it, it's body image. It, it doesn't have to only be like a women's body image because I think guys can have. Uh, I know guys can have a, a, a totally jacked up body image uh, as well, but let's just start with, with with this question: What is the best way to break your metabolism? Well, um, man, you're, this is going to be fun. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I I don't know that I've. It's been a while since I was on a podcast where somebody only wanted to talk about this stuff that excites me so yeah, much. Yeah, right, right. Um, a, a fantastic way to break your metabolism is to start with that um, sort of low body image and then uh, um, follow the mainstream mainstream advice. So uh, you get you get fat or like we're going to be talking about in a few minutes, you come to believe that you're fat for whatever reason. And then you start addressing that by um, telling your body that it, this is a horrible place to live that earth just sucks and uh you have to run all the time to try to escape predators or catch what little food can be found and then the food supply is obviously really low because you're not taking in very many calories 
So you, you know, eat someplace between literally 800 and maybe 12 to 1400 calories. The typical woman that comes into the gym, um, I'm not, you know, just picking on you ladies. For those of you that, that haven't followed my work, I, you know, about 70% of my clientele has been uh, female throughout my career. And the majority of what I do is fat loss for frustrated uh, fat loss clients uh, that have yo-yo dieted their way through their life. And um, so, you know, the typical client comes into the gym, they're eating something like twelve to 1,400 calories on average, and sometimes it's considerably lower. And then there's a lot of cardio going on, a lot of that calorie burning mentality. And um, it sets your, your your amazingly adaptive body gets set up for this this uh, sort of um, fat storing uh, is the most important thing ever message. You know, you get uh, you kind of think about what you would do in a famine. You know, you've got your pantry and you're just eating out of it and everything's fine. Everything's going great and you're not your pantry isn't just bursting at the seams. It doesn't need to be. You've got um, you, you know, there's plenty of food around. You just nibble at the pantry here and there and things go in and out of the pantry on a regular basis. You grocery shop, you t- put stuff in the pantry, you eat it back down as as uh, as necessary and then fill it back up and those this is kind of an analogy for your fat cells if you're not playing along yet, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, in a famine you would do everything you could to make whatever's in that pantry last as long as you can. And if there's any, anything you come across in your world that you can shove into that pantry, you do it. So the slightest little bit of calories blows by in the breeze and you grab it and throw it in there. And then you slow down the amount of, uh, of activities you would do that would need you to eat a lot of calories. Nobody in a famine is going, you know, I'm going to train for a marathon. Um, <laughs> So this is exactly what your body does. It upregulates absolutely every system that I can name that that uh, stores uh, fat. You, everything from lipoprotein lipase at the fat cell. Uh, there's some evidence that you know the gut microbiome even shifts to species that are better at extracting food or st- extracting calories from the food you eat. And then we downregulate the metabolism. So over time, the the um, the thyroid starts to slow because the idea is we need to save as much energy as we can between these stress events of this, you know, these big bouts of cardio that we're doing that must clearly be about the acquisition of food, you know, because your body doesn't understand that you would ever get on a treadmill for, uh, you know, a half hour to an hour every day or if there wasn't a point. Yeah, or you're running from, from like a rabid deer, you know, that's just right. kind of like chasing you slowly. like Or a three-legged tiger, I <laughs> yeah. would say. That's yeah. my example. Crawling <laughs> after so, you. Yeah. you know, why, why can't this predator catch me? Because yeah. humans in real life, we would, in nature, we would sprint. We wouldn't do cardio. There's no point. You know, right. if you can outrun me for 26 miles, you don't catch any more food or escape any more predators. But if you can out-sprint me, you actually would get away from the predator that was chasing both of us while I I got eaten. So, um, you know, this, this, these stress events are, are, and the, the low caloric intake have convinced your body that the most important thing in, in all of your physiology and biochemistry is your stored body fat. And then on top of that, store that body fat right by the midsection where it's close to the organs and, and, um, your metabolism goes down while you gain weight. So you have people that are coming in eating 12 to 1400 calories a day and doing cardio five, six days a week, and yet they're gaining fat. And that should be impossible if you believe the calories in calories out model. But, um, if you do, uh, you uh, you need to look at the data a little closer because that well, we are not bomb calorimeters. So right. did that was that a longer answer? No, than no, you were looking no. For? That's perfect. You know, it's just it's so hard. As many times, even people that I'm working with, and I start out like 
our relate our working relationship, like the first thing I say is calories in, calories out does not matter. Do not do not think of it as you're exercising to burn calories or I need a walking tr- like a treadmill desk to burn calories. It is not about creating a calorie deficit. And I'll still like 2 weeks later they'll say something like, "Yeah, I just tried to get in uh, you know, I tried to walk upstairs to burn some more calories or I'm, I'm and I'm just like face palming like Ah, like it's just well, so I, ingrained. I think what makes it so frustrating, it, it, speaking as a, uh, I think I would be qualified to say that I'm a former fat person, kind of fat person now. Mark, you'd be a no, person, you're not like a, yeah, no, but like uh, you're definitely a you, former fat person. <laughs> uh, you you when you do this, when you start running and you you know slice your caloric intake to fifteen hundred or fourteen or twelve or whatever you crazy number, you see results. Oh, oh yeah, no question. Absolutely, and I think that's what makes it so frustrating is that you know you see results, you see results, and and you're motivated by those, and then all of a sudden the results completely stop, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I've lost you know fifteen, twenty, thirty, whatever number you put on it. I've lost X number of pounds doing this, and all of a sudden this has ground to a screeching halt, and it's it's the most demotivating thing. In the entire universe, I, I've never been a part of anything more demotivating than like, yes, this number on the scale is going down because I'm and I'm eating less and less and exercising more and more and I'm looking better and better. And then all of a sudden, like it doesn't work anymore and you can't figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know, if I if I could change one thing about biochemistry as a trainer, it would be that factor that everything works in the beginning because it leads all, to all this anecdotal garbage in people's heads, you know, like. We look at like vegetarian and vegan studies, and we compare them just to um, to uh, you know people eating a standard American diet. Somebody switches over to veganism, and they get healthier because everything works up front. But in a very short amount of time, all of those results begin to fall apart, and everything switches to the other direction. When we look at studies where cardio is compared to sedentary controls, yes, people get healthier. You take two, you you have a hundred sedentary people, you have fifty of them do do treadmill work for a month and you measure all of their their parameters of health and the simple fact that these people started moving is beneficial but the the data doesn't hold up when you start making comparisons to you know people doing exercise the way people you know nature intended us we're actually you know lifting heavy things doing a ton of walking and uh, sprinting compared to things that don't really make sense to our body, like cardio, or when you compare, um, you know, people eating an otherwise healthy diet compared to something that looks like paleo, primal, ancestral, whatever you want to call it. So the fact that everything works in the beginning, people can go to some CrossFit gym, for example, where they just get the holy living snot beat out of them for 45 minutes a day. And somebody like me is like, okay, there's a timer on this. You have a very short period of time where this is going to work for you. Eventually, it's going to be too much stress. It's either going to go south on you with something like adrenal fatigue or you're going to get hurt. But to them, it's it's immediately addicting because in those first couple of months, the results are just overwhelming. It's like, oh my God, I came in here with 50 pounds to lose and I lost 30 so fast or 20 so fast that it made my head spin. This must be the right way to do it. When really, if you've got 50 pounds to lose, that first 20 can be lost doing virtually anything. Right. And so if I could change the biochemistry and make it so that only things that would work for 10 years would show results up front, 
oh my God, everything would be so much easier. Yeah, there was an, there was an article uh, posted on like CNN.com or something. I had a friend send it to me just because he knew it would make me mad. But it was it was a, uh, a study looking at co- like Coke and Diet Coke or soda and Diet Soda, whatever. We just say Coke in Texas. Um, and it was it was a 12-week study for one, which is, is too short. And then, right. and it was, it was, uh, funded by the American Beverage Association or something saying that, you know, Diet Coke is actually a good way to help you lose weight. Well, first of all, of course, they're going to find the ben- a benefit of it because who's funding it? Right. And it's like, yeah, it's 12 weeks. Who cares? Like what, what people are going to read that? Like, oh yeah. I'm, I'm going to read this article and I'm going to go drink some Diet Coke and lose weight. Like, yeah, it's like, no, 12 weeks is a blip on the radar. We're, we're in this for sustainability. And that's the kind of the whole simply human plan. It's, lifestyle it's what can you do for like you said 10 20 30 years start doing that stuff now you may not lose 30 pounds in two weeks but who cares like you're gonna eventually get there so well i think this this stuff segues into like our body image but like losing weight when you have a lot of weight to lose is the best drug there ever was uh, you, you get addicted to it. You get, uh, you get obsessed by it every second of every day. You feel good about yourself and you haven't felt good about yourself in a very, very long time. And when, uh, you're just in, in some regards, you're looking for that, almost that easy fix or what have you, you know, whatever I can do to lose two pounds this week or whatever I can do to lose three pounds. Oh, I lost two pounds last week because I was eating 1500 calories. Well, if I do 1400 calories, maybe then I, you know, 700 calories per day times and you're calculating and you're weighing and you're all doing all this stuff to try to get like this, this, this fix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, a sad state of affairs that the huge majority of people that do anything in and around fitness make any kind of change to their body are doing it almost exclusively for aesthetic goals and um, that they have no intrinsic motivation and no internal locus of control. And those two things are scientific terms for um, you would not be doing this on a desert island. And you don't really, in the core of your being, believe you have control over this. And the other people that you know that have done this, uh, got, gotten really healthy, you sort of subconsciously at least believe that those people are more special than you. Yeah, and wow. you, you talk about in the article and going right along with that, it's like that there's – obviously you can either succeed or fail in getting mm-hmm. healthy. And the people that fail are the ones that don't have that internal locus of control. Let's talk, talk a little bit more about that, like who, who succeeds – in making changes and and having them last long term, and who doesn't? Okay, um, yeah, that's an easy one. It's one something that I've paid real close attention to through the course of my career. I eventually termed it the aesthetic goal conundrum, and I've talked about it. I might have talked about it on your podcast last time, but I'll try to add some new details here. Um, we see, you know, nine out of ten people come into the gym and they sit down and they, you know, we ask them what they want to achieve when they're here. What what made them them come here? And to some varying degree, we see them pointing at things or pinching things and or telling us th- about their body or when I saw myself in this picture or whatever. And and uh, the, the underlying message is, I hate this body. Can you help me escape it? And those people struggle and they and oftentimes fail. And a large part of that is that they um, – the process is always just this hated burden. It's a cross to bear um, that uh, that must be gone through. You got to get to the other side of this terrible gauntlet that you're being forced to get through in order to uh, get this end result that is the only thing you really desire. 
and it's all about the way you look and it isn't really even about how you feel about uh, your body it's that external locus or what we call an interjected locus of con- or I'm, I'm sorry interjected motivation that uh, basically you've got this little devil on your shoulder that says you're fat and everybody thinks you fat you're fat everybody would like you better if you weren't fat and you've got all of these other um, you know you got you got plenty of reasons to believe that that isn't true, but the only thing you can see when anybody looks at you with a scowl on their face is that they obviously think you're fat. And so you're like jump- hitting the nail squarely, firmly on the head. By the way, been like, doing this, this al- been doing this a long time, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like you're so, like reading like what's been on my mind before. That's crazy. So, so you. Uh, you, you've got a bunch of failures in your past and you tend to believe that you can't really do it anyway. Um, so there you kind of lose that internal locus of control. And then, um, you would not in any way be doing this on a desert Island. You would not be alone someplace without the approval of other people doing this because this is all just burden. You don't love any part of the process. Those people really, really struggle. Other one in 10, this other, the one in 10 of that initial group, you got the nine that have that sort of response. That other one person, they come in, you ask them what they want to achieve. And the general message, the underlying message is I've kind of let things get a little out of control. I love my body. I'm not giving it what it deserves. Can you help me give it what it deserves? Those people get results so unbelievably fast it makes the other group's head spin and the other group, that other nine, come up to them and they're saying things like, oh my God, how much weight have you lost? How many, how many pant sizes have you gone down? And after a while, that one person starts to get a little bit annoyed and the message starts to become, you know what? I have a massive deadlift. My headaches are gone. My hair and skin are better. I sleep better at night. My sex drives back. I can work in my garden all day without it ruining my entire weekend. This massive list of things has happened to me. And all you want to talk about is the number on the scale. Like that's one little thing out of these, this massive list of things that I want to celebrate and nobody else seems to care about them. I can't, who do I brag to about the fact that I have all of this other awesome stuff going on when only the only thing that matters to any of these people is my pant size. And so these, I know that this makes me sound like a guru sitting up on a mountaintop in full Lotus position saying that it's all in your mind, but I swear to God, my my job is not about bodies. My job is about heads, and I've come to a point where I can watch people walk in, and and in the first conversation, I can pick out which group they're in, and then my job becomes, you know, do I just guide this person and 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 uh, and and tell them exactly what to do and know full well they're not going to have any problem doing it, or do I have to help them get a perspective change first because likely they're going to defeat themselves otherwise? So I've come to realize that through the course of my career that no trainer anywhere can sell a trip to anywhere. We only sell maps. And if you're a really good trainer, you have a map, good trainer and life coach and nutrition coach and all that, you have a really, really good map from, from point A to point B, but you have zero ability to make anybody go to point B. You can, you can cheer for them and root them on, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to whether or not they want this for reasons that are internal and they're motivated by something other than the fact that when they get up in the morning while they're brushing their teeth, their little voice inside their head screams insults at them. Right. Is that, is, yeah. is that do you want more? No, well, you know, that's good. Wow. And that, that kind of leads us into another really thought-provoking question out of that article, and which obviously I would recommend everyone read. But it is, I'm sure you're going to link it in the show notes, by the way. Yeah, 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 I will. Okay. And, and, and it's this question, and are, are overweight people insecure – or do insecure people become overweight? And like, what is your thought on that? 
Yeah, I don't have an answer for that, and I wrote that in the in the post. But that's it. The the reason why I I said that, and you'll understand when you read the whole post. But I'll try to summarize it. But it's it's because I've encountered the story of my my friend Christy, who I wrote the post about because she was nice enough to you know let me interview her and give me a picture and everything. There's this picture in this post to this cute little fourteen year old girl. You're gonna see her. She's just adorable, fourteen year old girl. And she told me when she gave me that picture, she said. I remember when that picture was being t- taken, and I remember as they were taking it, the only thing I could think of was, I hope my cellulite isn't showing in this picture. And here's this adorable little 14-year-old girl, and now she looks back, and she and when she handed me the picture, she's like, isn't that sad? Because look at how cute I, I was. And at that point, she embarked on a life of mainstream weight loss advice. It was, she said within a year, I believe she was taking diet pills, I think. And it was just, it was this, this drive to fix something that was not at all broken. And because our mainstream advice is so broken, that process likely broke her metabolism. There was a bunch of excessive exercise, but in her case, mostly caloric restriction and sometimes very severe caloric restriction in which from you know that point forward, she started telling her body that the only way to live through this horrible place is to store as much energy as we can whenever there's any energy available, like we talked about in the beginning. And she broke her metabolism. And now when she looks back, she goes, I didn't have any reason to do that is the general, uh, her general thinking. I mean, she looks at the picture and goes, isn't this sad that I was already feeling that way because look at how cute I was. And yet that was the stage at which she started disliking her body enough to make it so she kind of created this self-fulfilling prophecy and, and, and made herself gain a lot of weight. And now the weight is very difficult for her to get rid of. Right. So it's, I put that out on Facebook, you know, and, and, and I was like, how many, I don't remember how I worded it, but it was basically how many of you that are overweight can look back to a time when you would go, man, I wish I could just get my body back to that. And, and then really think hard about that. When you were at that weight, did you love the way your body was? And almost everybody says no. Right. Almost everybody says Back then, I already was doing things to try to change my body when now I would kill to just get back to that. Yeah, and you look at that picture and you're like, man, yeah, I, God, I looked good. And and it's like, if you could have just thought that about yourself at that point, you wouldn't be where you are now. Yeah, you wouldn't feel. have done all the things that have literally taught your body how to store fat like a fat storing machine. Right. And it's really interesting, like all of like sort of the, the diseases and disorders that have increased. It's like you said, like if, if, if we all lived on a desert island, I don't think like anorexia or like depression or, you know, would be like a, a ma- you know, I was saying not to say that it's, it wouldn't happen, but it wouldn't be like a major issue. Uh, it's just right. funny how all these psychology or psychologic disorders have sort of sprung up around modernity and getting humans away from what they're designed to be doing uh, and how that's a great way to break your perspective. Well, that's another good point. You know, I have daughters, I have three little girls. And, you know, so I've uh, obviously put a lot of thought into this stuff outside of just my clients too. But, um, you know, if you think about it, when, if my daughters grew up as hunter gatherers and there was, you know, uh, um, maybe 30 to 50 people in our tribe. And let's say with all of the outlying tribes, these girls knew something like 500 people total at any one time in their life. That's, you know, roughly that they could say they, 
they saw more than you know one time in their life. So people that they could they could count on seeing, you know, uh, once once a year at least. They had roughly 500 people. You know, maybe half of those female, and then you've got the fact that. Uh, you've got all the various ages. So let's say that at this point, my daughter, one of my daughters is 20 and you've got to factor in all of the other girls that are, that are at, um, uh, good, you know, breeding ages and then take out all of the women that are, uh, carrying a child, uh, pregnant with a child or breastfeeding. And that would go on for multiple years, you know, sometimes three or four years, all of those women, um, being infertile. And yes, it absolutely does work that way and create infertility when you breastfeed the way the, uh, the, um, the, 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 uh, indigenous hunter gatherers do as opposed to the way we do it. Right. Which is like every West- like 45 minutes to an hour and not these like big feedings every three or four hours. It's you know, actually yeah. it, the way it comes out is about it's about uh, thirty seconds of breastfeeding every every fifteen to twenty minutes is how they do it, and every single one of those releases prolactin, as opposed to every couple of hours we breastfeed for you know every couple of hours for a half hour to forty five minutes you know these big or big long or at least twenty minutes you know in most cases yeah probably closer to 20 minutes if i'm remembering right with my wife but that you go too long without prolactin release so in the western world there is no uh, it, it it's not nearly as protective against fertility but back to my point um oh and that's by the way that point that i just made has been well documented they do it they watch the kalari bushmen the kung and uh and were you know the women keep the baby strapped on them they they sleep with the baby the baby just basically turns its head and nurses whenever it wants so anyway um back to my point you've got maybe my each of my daughters would have th- maybe three or four girls that at any given time are there are there competition in, as far as um in, in you know amorous pursuits looking for for uh looking for love in the world they've got a handful of girls that could possibly be their competition and then you throw in the fact that none of those women have ever seen their entire reflection at one time right. so i mean think about the difference in what uh, as men we can drive down the road right now and look up and see billboards of women in bikinis and factor that in to the competition that of, of the women around us. That's, I mean, the, what a horrible thing for women to have to deal with right. as opposed to the way we spent 2.6 million years on this planet. Right. You know, you can watch friends and decide that Jennifer Aniston is exactly the type of girl you want. And that character doesn't even exist in real life. It's made up. But on top of that, you don't stand a chance in hell of ever actually seeing or meeting Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. So, I mean, right. like this, this quote unquote competition factor has been, has been ramped up to literally millions of people when it probably used to be something like half a dozen for most women. Right. And so, you know, in, in, in kind of the same way that I've got, you know, two little girls and then a son and the two little girls right now, you know, like they're, they're walking and squatting and you know, they, they, uh, <laughs> they squat when they poop, <laughs> you know, I'm teaching them how to, I'm teaching them how to deadlift and like they're, they're these little clean slates and I, I don't ever want them like I did to lose their mobility and their ability. You know, now I'm having to like unglue with lots of pain and lacrosse balls, you know, years of, of, uh, you know, getting glued up by staying, by, you know, reinforcing incorrect positions in that same way you have these perfect clean little minds and body images. And right now they don't, they're, you know, five years old that, you know, she's not, she doesn't understand. Like, you know, she doesn't care what she wears anywhere. And so what, how can we as, as dads of daughters, or if you don't have 
uh, a daughters, you know, your wife or whoever, like what can you do to sort of help or nieces or whatever to develop and not lose that sort of pure body image that you, that you have in the context that we're in? Well, the, the, the answers are pretty clear, um, from what I've been able to gather when it comes to the research and then, um, you know, everything I know about psychology and then working with all of these women over the years and asking these kinds of questions, you know, I usually at some point try to find out you know, if I've got somebody that's really struggling or somebody that gets really great results, those, those people that stand out to me, I try to ask them, um, you know, a little bit about their, their, uh, family history, maybe even relationship history like that stuff like that as we become friends, of course. Um, and th- it seems crystal clear to me as men, the first and foremost, you love the holy living hell out of those little girls as mom, or, you know, in the situation where sometimes relationships don't work, you set that example up someplace else. They need to see you treating your significant other very, very well. And then, and then they need to see you being respectful. Like if you're with mom and you seem to really love mom, but then the daughter catches you all the time looking at other girls' butts in the mall, you know, then you're objectifying women like that. And then as far as your relationship with the girl, you've got to be telling these little girls all the time how wonderful they are and how, uh, and how pretty they are. And don't let ever let that come down to anything that is, um, you know, if there any changes their bodies ever make, you don't change your opinions in the way you, you talk to them about it. But then I think the most important message will always come from moms on this. And, um, moms inadvertently hand daughters, all of their, their, uh, insecurities about their bodies. And sometimes they do it, you know, literally verbally, they say things like, um, Oh, sweetie, you just have the Jones, butt or the Smith thighs. You know, and you just in that one sentence, you just took your whole life's curse and handed it to your daughter. And in reality, she that you first off, you may have fabricated that as a problem. Like it might not even be the problem that you think it is because you're not most of the time not in a position to be able to make those kinds of judgment calls about who is going to be attracted to what an example of that was Angela one of the women in my in, in that I interviewed in my book I asked her what her husband Brett if she knew what her husband Brett liked in women and she said oh yeah and she just laid out the whole list of everything that Brett just loved in women and I was like okay perfect now how do you know that and she was like well oh crap <laughs> like it had all just been manufactured so first off, you might be handing your daughter something that isn't really a problem. You just think it's a problem. But over and above that, let let this poor girl with whatever her body is, let her give her the opportunity to love that body for what it is. Because no no matter what the shape of that body, if it's really healthy, it will be attractive. It's right. not you not health is the most attractive feature that we all we all find in each other. We can prove that one too, but um, yeah, and that's, you know, that's an important point for, for the listeners out there. What Jason is not saying is that if you are unhealthy, to love your your yourself as this super unhealthy person. Like, get healthy, God, no. right. get healthy, love that person, and then don't the other stuff will take care of itself. You know, and, and that's the other part of it. It's like, you know, the, the design is healthy bodies 
attract other healthy bodies. That's how our genes are supposed to like, you know, reproduce and, and carry whether or not on. we like it. Yeah. You're yeah. attracted to markers of health. Right. And so, but, but in some, in some areas of our culture, that's like, Oh, all you care about it, you know, Oh, you're, you're in good shape. You know, you must be vain or, you know, conceited or something. Well, no, it's, you know, so then there's like a whole nother side of the, of the mindset and the perspective and everything. So it's not, so don't worry about like if, if body, if, if like what you really look like is your, main focus and main priority that is a is the problem get healthy and then that is going to be like a secondary byproduct and you won't have to worry about it yeah yeah my message has never been just love yourself the way you are end of discussion right i have never once said that and i never ever will say that love yourself enough to treat your body the way it deserves to be treated and then you will be changing for the right reasons. Right. But I'm not saying that we need to form face group, Facebook groups of overweight people so we can get together and say, we're all overweight. The rest of the world should just love us like this. Right. And, I, I complete, and I'm probably making some enemies here, but I completely dis- disagree with that. It's this, it, it comes out of a point, place of apathy. You say, screw it. I just can't get this right. Um, then you know the the world should just be more accepting uh, and, and love me the way I am. No, you can get it right, and if you love yourself enough to to actually get really, really, really healthy, when you're in peak health, you'll look great by accident. Right, right. So awesome. Well, I you know this is we're like at 31 minutes, so this is like exactly what I wanted to do. This was like you the- said 28 minutes when we talked earlier, Mark. <laughs> well, I, I gave it. My a- egg timer went off three minutes ago. I gave I'm never coming back here. <laughs> I, I gave 20, I gave listeners minutes. like four four bonus minutes, and actually we're gonna do humans being human, and then Jason is gonna gonna come back and join us for the tip of the week. So uh, so we're not gonna really say bye yet, Jason. So just hang okay. on, and we're gonna. Uh, get to humans being human, and actually, let's just we'll just do the uh, the we'll just go right into it. So uh, we already mentioned Adam Brennan uh, is a friend of mine down in Houston. He has a two year old daughter, so he and he's a, a a loyal listener of the show. So he will be listening to this. I'm sure he will learn uh, something from this. And uh, Adam's stories, I, they had something to do with uh, one one of them had something to do it has something to do with a urologist who calls himself a PP doctor so this should oh, so well uh, so this should be interesting you're listening to the simply human podcast joining us on the humans being human open uh, which I'm something that I'm I'm very glad that we did because we've we've uh, gotten uh, a lot of listeners engaged in the show in a in a f- sort of fun and unique way Adam Brennan is a actually a I guess we were classmates, weren't we? We were. Yeah, we were. That? We, we did were, go to school. Yeah. yeah, we were the same. We were the same school at roughly the same time, and I didn't really know each other in in school. But afterwards, we've uh, through a mutual friend, we've sort of uh, uh, developed a friendship. And uh, Adam texted me after, and and as a a loyal listener, thank you. You were one of uh, a handful. And uh, yeah, I was the eleventh man. I think is what you yeah, said. The tens of listeners, and then you were that. You were that eleventh one that really, really was the tipping point. Um, but uh, but yeah, avid listener. And when we had the we we opened up the humans being human open. You said you had some stories, and say you, you just said something off air that I wanted you to repeat. What did you just say? Yeah, so I'm in my office right now, and just to make sure that I didn't forget these stories because I've got three different stories, and they're they're pretty quick stories, but. If they're they're listed on a note card here in my office, and if I just happened to like go to the bathroom or something, and somebody walked in and saw the saw the list on my desk, 
they'd probably call the cops and come arrest me. <laughs> well, and it, isn't it funny that the example that you could have you could have left your office in your hypothetical scenario for any reason uh, to go pick up your kids to to uh, you know go get a drink of water, but you chose go to the bathroom, which really goes right along with the Simply Human podcast. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I have nothing. I have no idea what these three stories are about. So, so take it away. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned in my, I'm in my office. So I'm a, you know, a number of years ago I worked as a as a banker, and part of that role was a business development uh, role and bringing in new business for the bank, but also in a credit role. So I was, you know, making loans to people, um, you know, to their businesses, to them individually. And part of the, the business development aspect, here at the bank, we have a, what we call a business development luncheon, a BDL, you know, once every few weeks. And it's a deal where, um, as the banker, we get to invite our top prospects or top clients. They come into the bank, and they get to meet and sit down and have lunch with the CEO of the bank. I like where, this is, I like where this is going, because it's like... I don't know what's going to happen, but like when your most important people are there, that is always a recipe for greatness. Exactly, yeah. So these are movers and shakers in the, in the Houston area. So these are business owners. These are people that are really driving the market. They're forward thinkers. They employ a lot of people. They're very successful. And, and multiple bankers bring you know, multiple clients. So we'll have like a room full of clients and prospects. And we sit around at you know, a table, have lunch with the CEO, um, and it's, it's really good exposure for, for everybody involved. You know, it's a good networking deal for the business owners or the, you know, the, the professionals like a doctor or a lawyer. And they get to meet each other. They might get to network and say, hey, you know, I need your service or, you know, I, I want to talk to you after about this. And, um, you know, they feel important because they get to meet the CEO of the bank. Um, they feel, you know, a nice, nice exposure there. And then it's good for me, too, as, you know, kind of just a junior level, you know, podunk, you know, on the totem pole to get that exposure with the, the CEO of the bank. And, and so the guy that I brought was a doctor, and um, he was a urologist. And we were, uh, he was getting recruited down here by a hospital. And we were going to help start up his firm, and we wanted to, you know, him to use our products, our services, and and all that fun stuff. And so we were courting him. And by the way, the, the, the official doctor of the Simply Human podcast is, it, or the official specialty of the Simply Human podcast is urology. So let's, uh, yeah, continuing. <laughs> exactly. Well, perfect. So this guy fits in well, and so. <laughs> Part of the uh, part of the, the um, I guess protocol for these lunches is is we have lunch, sit down, and then at the end of the lunch we kind of go around the room. Uh, the banker introduces their prospect. Prospect stands up and says, you know, kind of who they are, what they do, and it's really kind of a brag fest for them. And so we're going around the room. And each person's introducing their business and why they're the best business in town, and you know why they're the best at what they do, and they're so successful. And my doctor stands up, and he says. You know, my name is Dr. Smith, and um, I am a pee-pee doctor because I deal with people's pee-pees. What? That's what he said. And, and so, I mean, everybody just kind of, you know, had this you know, big <laughs> blush about him, and, and I'm kind of looking down at myself going, oh, my gosh, like, where is this guy going? And, you know, <laughs> what's the CEO going to think? Am I going to lose my job? And <clears throat> luckily the CEO just kind of, you know, he actually laughed about it and, and it was a nice icebreaker. But so fast forward a few years. So we had, 
we had booked a loan. We're, he's a client. We're, um, we're going out to his office to sign some updated loan documents. So we made him a loan. We're just going out there. That's, this is nothing formal. We've developed a relationship. And I was taking a, an associate in our group out with me. And the associate was like 23 years old. And, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, charged with kind of training him, helping introduce him to the lending field and, um, you know, just, you know, teaching him nothing, you know, everything that I don't know, basically. And, and so we go out to his office and his office is, this is um, the PP, the PP doctor's office. This is the PP doctor. Yeah. So we go into the PP doctor's office and we, you know, they usher us into the break room. And, you know, they say the doctor will be here in a second. And so we sit down at the, the break table, which consisted of like a cardboard table and aluminum folding chairs. So anybody can walk in here at any time. I mean, this is not like the doctor's private, you know, office space. This is, you know, the break room where the nurse is going to come get a cup of water or, you know, get her, get her lunch or whatever. So we're sitting down waiting for him to come in. And, you know, me being, this is several years ago, so me being kind of this, you know, young kid that's probably like 28 years old, and I've got a 23-year-old with me, you know, I'm trying to look important and trying to, you know, say, hey, you know, you know do it, do this. <laughs> and, and so the doctor comes in, and we start exchanging pleasantries, small talk, you know, and, and then um, just catching up, and we're about to sign the loan documents, and he gets a phone call. And so he's, this is pretty much what I hear is, um, him saying on the phone, and it's obvious that it's somebody from the hospital calling him about a patient. And so, you know, what we hear is something to the effect of, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, proper hips up, right, right, okay, now spread her legs, right, now, no, no, now insert the fingers. And at, and at this point, like, I'm just, and so, you know, I've got this young kid with me, and like, you know, I'm like, what do you do? I mean, there's nowhere to look. I mean, you don't want to be rude and pull out your phone and be like, I'm not hearing any of this. <laughs> and so then he proceeds to say, insert your fingers. Right, right. Yes, now rub the vagina. Oh, no. Just rub it. And so, and, and he was being completely professional about it, completely, you know, um, nothing sexual or anything. I mean, it was, he was doing his job, but right, he's right. having this conversation right in front of us. And acting like it's no big deal. Which to him is like, like you saying, like, "Yeah, it's, it'd, be, it'd be like you saying, hey, yeah, you just sign the sign the document, just sign the, where the X is." Like that's and, all and he's so doing. This, this is these are two two you know still hormonally charged immature males <laughs> that you know and you know you're trying to be professional, but at the same time you want the little kid in you just to bust out laughing. Oh. And so I was doing everything I could, and I, I was you know when somebody says I was biting my lip, I was literally biting my tongue. <laughs> So that I could not erupt in laughter as this guy saying, "Just rub the vagina." Yes, just rub, rub it, it nice and easy with your fingers and right. vagina, vagina. I'm sorry. And then, what were and you then guys he you know, tops it all, saying, "Okay, okay, you know, rub the vagina. I'll be there in five minutes." <laughs> <laughs> so um, like, I hope that was a patient, right? That wasn't like uh, like your wife calling or anything, was it? Uh, <laughs> that would be awkward. <laughs> Right, there's there's a third party involved if that's the case. Yeah, <laughs> the kinky uh, so, pee doctor. <laughs> yeah, so that was you know that's the first good one that 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 actually happened to me. 
Thank you, Adam. And like I said, uh, we broke that up into two segments, so he will be back on the Humans Being Human open uh, a little bit later on. So I would say, like, check out Adam at... But he doesn't have a website or anything, so that one's easy. Adam.com. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, don't don't go there. Yeah, don't go to, I don't know yeah. if that's a pornography <laughs> website or not. I'll, I'll find out here. In a yeah, and then all the all, the, all the, like the male listeners are like, Mark and Rick said to check out Adam.com, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, porn site. Yeah, perfect. On the women's body image issue, Jason is still with us. Uh, Jason <laughs> is back uh, for the tip of the week, and actually, we don't know what the tip of the week is going to be. I'm just going to ask Jason, what is something that or some things that people can do? To, to if their perspective is broken and they don't you know love who they are or love themselves enough to get healthy what is what are some tips that people can do to try to fix that well you know this is the the hardest part of all of it and, and I I ha- all I have is advice and I can't say that you know there's there's any magic out there that's just going to work for you um the most important thing you can do is try to find that um the most important things are try to find that intrinsic motivation and get back your internal locus of control. The two ways that you do that, the on the uh, the be- my best advice anyway, on the um, I- intrinsic motivation is to start thinking about this as a pursuit of health and to stop trying to think of it as a pursuit of changing the way your body looks. Um, if you can do that, then you can start watching all of these other markers change along with it, and that can be really motivating. You can say, you know, I started working out, and it's been this, or I, and I started eating right, and I'm managing my stress, and I'm sleeping well, and all these inputs are managed. And you know what? This month, my pant size didn't go down, but there's usually other things that you can attribute to improved health. You can say, I feel better in this way. I'm sleeping better. Something else is going on. And you realize that all of those things are you moving towards a sustainable fat loss situation, a situation in which once you've lost the fat that you wanted to lose, you get to keep it off because you didn't pull some sort of crazy trick or gimmick. You actually got healthier and health, long-term health is sustainable. Long-term fat loss through things like starving starvation and crazy amounts of exercise are not sustainable. Yeah. So go ahead. I I say, I love that. And we we talked uh, one of the tips of the week a few weeks ago was, was do things that are sustainable. And one of the, you know, sort of the pictures that I always give people I work with is like, if you are at point A and you don't like how, how, you know, you are at point A and you want to be at point B, well, don't, don't, to get to point B, don't do some crazy starvation, crazy exercise thing to get to point B because then you have to completely change again. Like, yeah. Do do right. do the things at point A that the person at point B is is gonna do. Can you do this forever? Yeah, and like and and you know, yeah, and if and if uh, you know, once you start doing that, it, it, it may take a little bit longer, but once you get there, you're not gonna have to reinvent the wheel and completely change your lifestyle again. You just keep doing what you're doing, and nothing changes. Like it's it's been just great. Like, you know, I'm you know I, I weigh I, as like a uh, just I don't know because I'm kind of like you. I'm on sort of a mass building protocol, so I'm like uh, I, I weigh maybe like once a month. Just curiosity, I could care less what I weigh. I'm I'm more worried about you know what my what my four core lifts are doing and and how my you know uh, how I'm looking in the mirror that kind of thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, I, I've, I've just maintained my body weight. I'm getting stronger. My body weight has, hasn't changed. And I, I you know, I'm not like doing, I, I eat when I'm hungry. I just, I, I'm just kind of in the, a nice little groove and it's not even like a groove. It's like, I'm just 
I'm being a human. I'm doing what human is supposed to do, and it, and it just feels really good. So the tip of the week is stop thinking about health or or getting healthy as a way to change the way your body looks. There you go. So there it is. Awesome. All right. This was a this is by far my favorite conversation we've had by doing these. By the way, thank and, you very much, Jason. Oh man, I wish we had a lot more time. I could do this for a couple hours. This is this is the stuff that gets me gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and that's coming. That's that's a lot from Rick because we just interviewed Kelly Starrett last episode. So nice. Yeah. So um, yeah. So like we the the format of the show, you know, I kind of keeps us to like a thirty minute deal. I I could go forever too. So what we're just gonna have to do is pick another topic because I don't think Rick have we done like. Just we've interviewed people and been like, "What's your background and what are you passionate about?" And like, we've never done like a this. We're talking about this issue, and so yeah. I I, I kind of like that. And so I think maybe we need yeah, to, like ho- like honing in instead of like all right, like it's like shooting with a sniper rifle instead of a shotgun. Like right. we're honing in on one specific thing and, and really hitting on that. And I think you know, as, as someone who has been kind of living this, you know, the the experience of like you know trying to improve yourself and you know go from very unhealthy to as healthy as you can be it uh, to me that kind of helps uh you know addressing things issue by issue and yeah. i think you know the body image stuff uh you know it affects women it affects men as well and it's something that affects everybody yeah. so yeah and it I, all, I like doing it this way and it all starts there because it doesn't matter if you're eating it doesn't matter what you're doing if you hate yourself it's not nothing yeah it's not going to work, gonna work. If, yeah. if your mindset is all screwed up from the get-go then i mean you're not going to be able to to fix anything you know right yeah right. we could do the willpower and the psychology yeah. of change and all of those types of things if you know learned helplessness all that stuff yeah. i do most of the research i do these days seems to be in the psychology world so yeah, well, whenever you want me back we'll get after it yes let's uh, awesome. let's in a couple months maybe even less than that 6 weeks or so let's uh, uh pick another topic and let's just knock it out again so jason you are the man i really appreciate you doing this uh, i know you're a busy guy thanks for for uh taking time out of your day to uh anytime to to knock this out so uh we'll uh we'll have you back on soon all right yeah i'd love to come back all right huge thanks to jason obviously that guy is just a wealth of knowledge he knows what he's talking about i i don't think a a i don't think there's anything that he's ever written or said that i've been like eh, know about that that doesn't sound right i mean everything he says is like yep that's exactly right (laughs) you just chisel it on your stone tablet and you're like all right got it yeah move on sweet all right well that's gonna that's gonna do it for this edition of the simple human podcast coming up next week is the hillary saffron interview and she is a just a jack of all trades she's a clown she is a ventriloquist comedian she speaks at conferences she's written a book called laughing in the rain she has a really cool website uh had a really cool conversation with her a couple weeks ago and that's going to be the show next week and uh, i don't even know who's going to be on humans being human open because i haven't looked that far ahead it's going to be somebody um, <laughs> we're going to have something so uh, tune in <laughs> tune for, in for something for a thing yeah um so let's see obviously find us online simplehumanlifestyle.com all the stuff is there uh, the uh, coupon codes for the nutrients multivitamin and the skinny fat which is the MCT coconut oil and there's one with olive oil as well um, there's basic links to the Facebook page YouTube channel follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52 please leave a review on iTunes good or bad we've we've uh, fallen down in the rankings a little bit so we need some listeners support to get us back up uh, in, in where we're kind of higher up in the rankings because that was fun uh, while, while it lasted when, when we were in the double digits instead of like the uh, 
the almost quadruple digits. Yeah, and and uh, there were people way ahead of us that like hadn't updated their show in three years. Simply squat, Sasquatch. I'm looking at you, yeah. shaking my fist. <laughs> yes. Um, and let's see what else I can say. Email the show simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. You can also email Rick at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. I'm having a lot of good interaction with some listeners. People emailing in questions and. And, uh, and just some really good encouragement. So appreciate everybody out there. Uh, please. And, uh, you know, we'll look uh, next next week. We'll look. I, I forgot to ask you to look up the reviews. Crap. You had any. I do that every single time. Yeah, that's okay. I meant to. Uh, before I asked you if you uh, why you were yawning, I was going to say look up the iTunes reviews, and I forgot. So, all right. Appreciate it. That'll do it for episode 40 of the Simply Human Podcast. And remember. Then he proceeds to say, insert your fingers. Right. Right. Yes. Now. Rub the vagina. Oh, no. Just rub it. So until next time, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself.